Good morning, Orlando. This is Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Filling in for Bud, I'm Michael Yaffe. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning tropical, a tropical depression is forecast to become a hurricane. And the FBI says there's no evidence of terrorism in the Vegas massacre. We'll have the details in one minute. So there's a lot of new information coming out about the shooter and his plans during that Vegas massacre. And we're going to get to that this half hour. And good Thursday morning at 6.01 on News Radio 102.5. Florida could be dealing with another hurricane by the end of the weekend. Forecasters at the National Hurricane Center say Tropical Depression 16, currently in the Caribbean, will strengthen into Tropical Storm Nate before making landfall in Nicaragua today. From there, it's expected to cross Honduras and possibly the Yucatan Peninsula on Friday night and then enter the Gulf. The forecast track right now shows it making landfall in the U.S. as a Category 1 hurricane Sunday night, anywhere from the Big Bend area on Florida's Gulf Coast, west to southeastern Louisiana. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. In the meantime, we here in East Central Florida are under a hazardous weather outlook this morning. That includes coastal counties from Volusia, south to Martin County, and the inland counties of Orange, Seminole, Osceola, Lake, and Okeechobee. The National Weather Service says we're going to see numerous squalls that are going to move onshore with gusty winds, lightning, and rainfall totals up to three inches. On the coast, advisories are in effect for flooding, high surf, and life-threatening rip currents. Is hurricane season over yet? No, unfortunately, it's not until the end of November. And it's interesting you bring that up because don't you often find that when hurricane season starts in June, everybody kind of waits with bated breath to see. And then once June, July and August go by, folks I see tend to kind of go, oh, okay, well, it's going to be a quiet season. It doesn't ramp up until September, September. October, November. So we're not out of the woods yet. This is definitely going to be, it's looking more of a panhandle issue. But yeah, as we, I was just looking at the tracks right before the show, and it keeps moving a little bit west, so yeah. it might be a, a Louisiana issue. It could be. It could even end up being a Texas issue, because as we've yeah. seen with every storm this season, it's it's the cone of uncertainty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's definitely how it should be put every time. I think so, too. <laughs> you know, if we can't have fun while we have to talk about a hurricane, at least we can, you know, right. put it where we can. In uh, other local news, the vice president of the United States is scheduled to travel to Central Florida today. The White House says Mike Pence will arrive in Orlando at 5 p.m. and get a briefing on Hurricane Irma recovery at a relief center stage at the airport. Then at 7 p.m., he's going to visit a church in Kissimmee to address Puerto Rico's recovery from Hurricane Maria. Pence's appearance takes place at Iglesia de Dios on Flamboyant Street. Our other big story of the day, the FBI is weighing in on whether the Las Vegas mass shooting was connected to terrorism. We have found no evidence to this point to indicate terrorism, but this is an ongoing investigation. We're going to continue to look at all avenues. We're not closing down any doors. In a press conference, special agent in charge Aaron Rouse said they will not make any assumptions in the investigation into Sunday's massacre that left 58 people dead, plus the shooter dead. He said while there are plenty of theories, the FBI needs to be accurate. Rouse wouldn't comment on shooter Stephen Paddock's girlfriend, who was questioned by investigators yesterday. He did say no one is in custody in the case. And speaking of that girlfriend of the suspected Las Vegas shooter, she says she had no idea that he was planning a massacre. 
A lawyer for Mary Lou Danley read a statement from her yesterday outside the federal building in Los Angeles. The statement said she's been cooperating with authorities investigating the mass shooting that left at least 58 people dead and hundreds more hurt. Danley also noted that she went back to the Philippines about two weeks ago after uh, shooter Stephen Paddock found a cheap plane ticket for her. He also wired her money so she could buy a house for her family. She said that uh, she was worried the money and the trip home were his ways of breaking up with her. Yeah, I had read that. You know, I actually got a chance to watch that press conference that you're referencing last night. And we're going to play some audio from the sheriff as well, Sheriff Joseph Lombardo, because he said some pretty interesting things about the shooter. Um, Reference that he had been planning this possibly for decades. Um, it's, it's so hard to tell. It's so hard to tell because then there's, you know, other reports that he had explosives in his car. So that right. must've meant he was planning to escape and he wasn't planning the, yep, you know, his ultimate demise. And yeah, there's, there are reports. And I, I was just reading that, that he ha- was planning on escaping, um, but they didn't reveal how they know that. Exactly. Apart from, so, from what I've heard or read, the explosives in the car also had, um, heard that he had rented several hotel rooms in this, on the strip. To right. see the best vantage point that he was going to get for this concert festival. Wow. And there are also reports as well that um, he was shooting at the, the fuel tanks yeah. right nearby because they found bullet holes in those fuel tanks. Luckily, thank God, right. they the, didn't ignite. Right. That would have made things a lot worse, but he was targeting them. Yeah, he was. And there's still so many questions. And unfortunately, the only person that can give us the answer. Yeah, it's gone. Is it was, you know committed a cowardly act and can't answer those questions now. Right. And finally, a launch scheduled for this morning at Cape Canaveral Air Force Station has been scrubbed. United Launch Alliance says liftoff of an Atlas V rocket carrying a spy satellite for the National Reconnaissance Office was prevented by ground winds. The launch is now planned for tomorrow at 4.03 a.m. Eastern Time. On Saturday, SpaceX is scheduled to launch a Falcon 9 rocket with two satellites from the Kennedy Space Center, and one of those satellites has a direct effect for what we do right here. <laughs> I heard I heard our boss talking about that yesterday. Yeah, exactly. I had no idea, but the Florida News Network is uh, hopefully going to still be on the air over the weekend. <laughs> Let's hope we don't have any well, launch anomalies. And you need to be on the air because of this hurricane. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. It may not affect us here in Central Florida, but being that I also you know, do work for the Florida News Network, I could very well be sleeping on an air mattress in someone's sales office. Yay, again. Uh, (laughs) You you sound so excited about it. (laughs) WFLA News Time at 6.08. Read about uh, Dirty Jobs Mike Rowe praising the heroes responding to the Vegas shooting, and there were plenty. At 1025WFLA.com, the first hour of Good Morning Orlando with Mike Yaffe starts now. Weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. But I, I did want to extend the invitation, Mike. If you'd like to join the Florida News Network over the weekend and doing hurricane reports, you know, please don't feel left out. You know, I got I got plans. You got to do your hair. Uh, I'm busy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, got to shave hair. the cat. <laughs> shave the cat i i'm just thinking you're gonna pull any excuse out that you can that means you cannot be here <laughs> i think i could do better than shaving the cat i would hope so hey it's six o'clock in the morning <laughs> all right so uh we are going to get into details of this shooter there was a press conference last night where we're going to play some audio from sheriff lombardo also this half hour steve scalise representative steve scalise who was shot a few months ago 
He did an interview yesterday, and we're going to play audio from that as well. And we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. And this is Yaffe, the producer, filling in for Bud. Bud just taking a couple days off. He will be back on Monday. So I got a chance to watch the press conference last night with Clark County Sheriff Joseph Lombardo. And there's still a lot we don't know about this shooter. I mean, it's, it's, it's frustrating to just not have the answers. I think people want the answers. I think that's a big reason why there's conspiracy theories and fake news about this going around everywhere because people want to somehow wrap their minds around this. They want to grasp it. They want to understand it, even though I don't think we can ever fully understand it. But there was a couple of things the sheriff said yesterday last night that really caught my attention and kind of blows a lot of the theories that we originally had out of the water. This is a go ahead and play cut one for me, Tom Benson. This is what he said starting out the press conference. More than 100 investigators have spent the last 72 hours combing through the life of 64 year old Stephen Paddock to produce a profile of someone I will call disturbed and dangerous. What we know is Stephen Paddock is a man who spent decades acquiring weapons and ammo and living a secret life, much of which would never be fully understood. He meticulously planned on the worst domestic attack in United States history. So according to him, there's a good possibility that he planned this attack for years, if not decades. If that's true then the theory that he was an anti-Trump guy who did this out of hatred for Trump and Trump supporters, eh, that doesn't really make sense if he was planning this for decades. Also, ISIS is claiming that he was a soldier of ISIS. But like I said, if he was planning this for decades, that theory doesn't really hold up either. Also, the idea that he snapped, that doesn't make sense because he's been planning this for a long time. Obviously, he has to be mentally ill to a point to do something so heinous, but he had no signs of it from everybody around him. In fact, I was reading a report from people that knew him said he was incredibly intelligent. Scary. Um, Going to play cut two for me, Tom Benson, the sheriff uh, addressed some more things. I mean, you look at the, the, the weapon obtaining um, there are different amounts of tannerite available. Um, do you think this was all accomplished on his own? Self-value, um, face value. you got to make the assumption there, he had to have some help at some point. And we want to ensure that that's the answer. Maybe he's a super guy. Maybe he a uh, superhero, not a hero, a super, you know, I won't use the word. Um, um, maybe he's... You know, super Yehu um, that had was working out all this on his own, um, but it'd be hard for me to believe that. That's pretty, pretty stunning. He says, with all of the planning, with all the guns he had to accumulate, all the explosives. That's the sheriff saying he finds it hard to believe that this guy acted alone. That somewhere along the line he had to have had help. Someone had to have known something that was going on. Now, the left is focused right now on the gun, on the tool he used to perpetrate the mass killing. But what we really need to know so we can prevent future attacks 
is his motive, is the person, because that's how we can prevent it. The tool, mass killers are going to use something. If they don't use a gun, they'll find some other way to kill people, and the laws don't get in their way. So finding out the motive is going to be difficult. But the fact that he, he didn't work alone, there's a lot of information we just don't know. There's information coming out, as we talked about earlier, that he wanted to escape. There's information that he possibly was going to target other venues. A lot of unanswered questions, and I think that makes this really frustrating for everyone, including, including myself. So I want to get into in the next segment, Steve Scalise, Representative Steve Scalise, as you all know, was shot by an angry anti-Trump Bernie Sanders supporter on that baseball field a few months ago. It was amazing, actually, to see his spirits after all of that. But he did an interview yesterday and said some interesting things about the Second Amendment that I want you to hear. So we'll talk about that and take your phone calls and texts as well. You can call 407-916-5400 or text to 23680. Standard message and data rates apply. It is 619 on Good Morning. So Representative Steve Scalise, who was a congressman of the 1st Congressional District in Louisiana, we, we all know the story. We covered it here on the morning show when it happened. He was shot in a baseball field. They were practicing for a congressional baseball game. He was shot by someone who specifically, specifically targeted Republicans. And he was a Bernie Sanders guy, hated Trump and all that. He was interviewed by Fox News last night, Martha McCallum. And he had some interesting things to say about the Second Amendment. Something the left definitely didn't want him to say, but he said it. Go ahead and play a cut one for me, Tom Benson. I think it's fortified it because, first of all, you've got to recognize that, you know, when there is a when there's a tragedy like this, the first thing we should be thinking about is praying for the people who were injured and doing whatever we can to help them, to help law enforcement. Uh, we shouldn't first be thinking of promoting our political agenda. And I think we see too much of that where people say, oh, okay, now you have to have gun control. Well, first of all, look at some of those bills. Those bills wouldn't have done anything to stop this. I mean, the gunmen actually cleared background checks. Yeah. Uh, so to, to promote some kind of gun control, I think, is, is, is the wrong way to approach this. And frankly, what I experienced was when there was a shooter, we had, luckily, we had Capitol Police there with their own guns. Every single day in America, regular citizens that just have a passionate belief in the Second Amendment, that have their own guns, use guns every single day to protect themselves against criminals. And those stories never get told or hardly ever get told. But that's a different side of the story that I think is important, that people use guns way more to defend themselves from criminals than criminals using guns to hurt people. Now, I guess Jimmy Kimmel would say he's just in the pocket of the NRA or something, and that's why he said that. But I think he actually makes a lot of sense. Everything he said is exactly right. Now, just because you were shot or involved in a situation like this doesn't mean you're an expert on gun policy. I'm not saying that, but what he said made a lot of sense. What stopped the bad guy with the gun in this situation, and he saw it firsthand, was a good guy with the gun. And that was basically the point he was making. Um, he was asked more about this, and he continued on. Play cut two for me. Tom. So I think a lot of people look at that and say there must be perhaps something, some effort that can be made so that these kinds of weapons can't fall into the hands of, of a madman, a madman like the one who attacked you and your fellow congressman, and a madman like the one who attacked those innocent people in Las Vegas. 
One thing we've seen over the years is that a lot of these mass shootings involve people with mental health issues. I can't speak to whether or not the, the Las Vegas shooter had mental health issues, but a lot of these gunmen do. We actually addressed this in Congress just a few months ago. We passed a bill uh, called the 21st Century Cures Act that had a major reform of our mental health system. We actually created a new position in DHH, the, the Assistant Secretary of Mental Health. That, that person, she just got installed two months ago. So this office is very new. We put money in place to focus on mental health. That's really where the biggest problem has been. And Congress actually took action in a very bipartisan way to address that. And we need to make sure that that office gets implemented the right way because that really can solve and, and, and I think stop some of these future mass shootings by addressing the real mental health problems in this country that drive people to do things like so this. So you're as strong on the Second Amendment as ever? Absolutely. So it's interesting you brought up the mental health aspect. You would think, uh, hearing from the left, that Republicans don't care about mental health. They haven't done anything. That's not according to what he said. But this is why it's important to understand the motivations of the shooter. So we can address how to prevent people from doing mass killings. We're focused on the tool of the mass killing and not the motivations, the people that do the mass killings. But we have to find out the motivations first. But thought some interesting comments and even though he was shot he says he's as strong on the second amendment as ever so we have deborah roberts who's going to come in at the bottom of the hour and update us on the latest news she's going to give us the latest on the tropical depression that's in the caribbean right now and then we have the bloomberg business report right after that it's six twenty-eight here in good morning orlando so deb oh as we were hang on now. Oh, i'm sorry go ahead you forget tom benson is oh here we I go know. Mm. Tom Benson is Deborah Roberts' DJ, usually. Yeah, he is. <laughs> well, you know, it's morning. you got to get your joints moving, you know. Motion is lotion all. Usually. Oh, you stopped it right before <laughs> the payoff. <laughs> Such a deal. For me in mornings, I would rather sleep, but that's okay. I mean, hey, <laughs> we don't get to sleep right now. <laughs> yeah, we might right? as well get moving. Exactly. Um, so we talked about earlier how hurricane season is not over yet, and more proof of that in the tropics today. Absolutely, and uh, it's not uh, at the end of this story. I'll tell you why, how we're going to be affected by the tropics that already are, but All weather eyes are on Tropical Depression 16, which is expected to become Tropical Storm Nate and eventually Hurricane Nate. AccuWeather meteorologist Dave Samuel says the system is moving through the Caribbean right now, but is expected to arrive shortly in very favorable conditions. This weekend, it will move into the Gulf of Mexico over some very warm water, and uh, we're expecting it to uh, reach a hurricane strength in the Gulf of Mexico and then uh, perhaps make landfall in the Florida Panhandle on Sunday. Which is why Governor Rick Scott is scheduled to make two stops in northwest Florida this morning to discuss preparations for what could become Hurricane Nate. Scott is urging Florida families to monitor the storm, restock hurricane supply kits, and make sure that their hurricane preparedness plans are once again in place. The tropical weather we're dealing with today is a tropical wave that's making its way over Miami, and that's what's going to be bringing us all the squally, windy weather that we're going to be dealing with throughout the day today. So I was kind of surprised when you're talking about what is going to be Nate, Tropical Storm Nate, that it, they don't expect it to strengthen past a Category 1. And my understanding is it's because it's moving too fast. Yes. Is that why? Yes, exactly. If it slows down, that will give it more time to sit over those warm Gulf waters um, that are at least 83 degrees and build up more strength. So we want them to be 
moving fast. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Speedy. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. And in the meantime, Governor Rick Scott congratulates the conks who ignored his advice to evacuate before Irma arrived. You guys kept each other safe. You you rode out the storm extremely well. Uh, I hope you all listen and evacuate next time. But you did a great job. So you're open for business. Restaurants are open. Hotels are open. Every tourist in the country and the world needs to come back to Key West and Florida Keys. There are still major problems uh, with the Conk Republic with storm debris and a lack of housing for people who work there. But officials in the Keys say they're a lot tougher than a mere hurricane. Two and a half billion dollars. That's the preliminary estimate of agricultural losses in Florida due to Hurricane Irma. The citrus industry was the biggest loser with more than $760 million worth of destroyed fruit and damaged groves. Greenhouses, nurseries and flower farming took a $625 million hit. State Agriculture Commissioner Adam Putnam says the total is likely to increase as officials account for the loss of future production and the cost to rebuild infrastructure. And finally, this year's harvest moon will rule the skies tonight. The full moon closest to the autumn equinox gets its name from farmers who used its light to spend extra time bringing in the crops. The best time to catch the orange moon in all its glory is just after sunset when it appears to be the largest. Its color comes from the sun's light bouncing off the moon through the angle of the Earth's atmosphere. But of course, this year's harvest moon also means uh, king tides, which Folks in Brevard County, Volusia County, Flagler County, all the way down the south of the peninsula are dealing with a lot of inland flooding and coastal erosion and flooding as well. Large breaking waves because of this high tide. Interesting. Because of this uh, full moon, actually. Wow, I would have not even thought of that, but that's I hadn't what either, but that's what happens. Yeah. Absolutely. You can get these stories and more at 1025wfla.com. But the first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with Mike Yaffe and Gina Cervetti from the Bloomberg Business Report. Oh, you go, Tom Benson. <laughs> All right, and yes, we are going to talk with Gina Cervetti from the Bloomberg Newsroom on what's going on in the world of business. How are you this morning, Gina? I'm well. I just have one question. Do you guys have a disco ball spinning around in there, too? <laughs> Maybe. We do in the newsroom, but not, unfortunately, in the studio. <laughs> oh, darn. That might go grab it. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, yeah, that's my on-air light, Gina, is a is a big disco ball. <laughs> I like that idea. The I craziness just... that happens in here. You just, you just have no <laughs> <guess>. idea. <laughs> All right, Gina, what do the stock futures look like today? Well, we have the stock futures a little changed. We have some economic data that investors are going to be watching for here the next couple of days. So perhaps sitting a little bit tight today, it's jobless claims and the consumer comfort index. We have durable goods, job cut announcements all ahead of tomorrow's employment report. Yesterday, we had stocks inching to more new record highs led by consumer shares after a better than expected report on the services part of the economy, which makes up the bulk of activity. The Dow was up 20 points to 22,600. The S&P added three points to 25.38. The Nasdaq rose three, closing at 65.35. The Bloomberg Orlando index was down just about a tenth of a percent. All right, and we all know about the the devastation in Puerto Rico, but many here on the mainland haven't really thought about how it's going to affect them. But you have a story that it might possibly cause a drug shortage. Tell us about that. Well, the FDA is monitoring the possibility that there may in fact be shortages of critical drugs and devices after Maria devastated Puerto Rico. The drug industry accounts for around a quarter of the island's gross domestic product. 
Now companies from Eli Lilly to Medtronic reported minimal structural damage after Maria. They are not expecting shortages because they stocked up in advance. However, the real problem is a concern about bottlenecks because of damage to Puerto Rico's infrastructure. All right, and a British company might be making a play for SeaWorld. What's going on there? This is Merlin Entertainments. They've approached SeaWorld about a potential deal, according to people familiar with the matter. Merlin runs Legoland Parks. It's made a bid for part of SeaWorld, which could be an obstacle to a deal because SeaWorld prefers any outright sale. SeaWorld has also received interest from others. The company is currently valued at about $1.3 billion. Merlin has a policy of not keeping marine mammals such as whales in captivity, which could signal that its interest lies in SeaWorld's bush gardens. Yeah, I was about to say, how would they be able to buy SeaWorld if, <laughs> if they don't agree with keeping marine animals in captivity? That's like half the park. It's very interesting. All right, and uh, you, uh, Deborah was talking earlier about the damage to our citrus industry in Florida after the hurricanes. Mm-hmm. And so how, how, are we, how is that going to affect us? Well, U.S. beverage makers could be forced to use larger amounts of less sweet Brazilian orange juice in their blends to make up for the Florida losses caused by Irma. An official with Brazil's citrus, uh, citrus industry says exports to the U.S. may rise by as much as 50 percent. And even though that sounds like good news for Brazilian growers, he also says Florida's problems impact the overall citrus industry. Florida is so widely associated with orange juice in its iconic role that citrus trouble in Florida just gives consumers another reason to drink less juice. A Brazilian, by the way, does stand to collect a bumper crop of citrus this year after almost perfect weather conditions there. All right, Gina, thank you so much, and we will talk to you again tomorrow with the latest on business news. Have a great day. So I have a call here from Dale in Orlando. I want you to hold on, Dale, because he's bringing up a point talking about gun control that I I wanted to bring up. Brings up some good thoughts on that, so we're going to talk about that. Plus, President Trump is expected to back out of the Iran nuke deal, so we'll talk about that as well. It's 640 on Good Morning Orlando. And this is Yaffe, the producer, filling in for Bud. Bud will be back next week. You can send me a friend request on Facebook if you'd like. Just search Michael Yaffe, and I will accept it. Or you can follow me on Twitter, at BeyondReasonR. So, obviously, anytime a mass shooting happens, like the one in Vegas, gun control comes up. The left is really pushing it now. Probably harder than I've ever seen them, at least for a while. And uh, so the debate's going to come up, and we're going to talk about it a lot in this show. And I'll give my thoughts on it, but we have a call on it from Dale in Orlando. Uh, Dale, how are you this morning? What do you think about it? I'm doing fine, thank you. Um, well, we have uh, we have lots of laws in this country, and uh, you know we uh, you know most people abide by those laws, but we have a lot of people that don't obey the laws in this country. We have more people killed by drunk drivers in this country. Should we ban alcohol? I mean, the people that are to blame in this country, what we're seeing going on today is uh, liberalism run amok in this country. They've taken prayer and God out of schools. Look at the movies and the music that are being played in this country. 
So when Jimmy Kimmel stands up there and wants to blame people like myself that I I obey the law, I obey all the laws, and I pay my taxes. Don't get me started on that. But Jimmy Kimmel, when he gets on his television show and he spews these lies and these uh, these misstatements, uh, he's the one that's responsible. I mean, not for the guy going out and doing this, but for the society and the morality. Well, I, I will say this. A guy who used to be a host of The Man Show where they had girls jumping on trampolines and half the show was about getting drunk, it's hard to make him the arbiter of morality now, <laughs> even though that's what he seems to try to be. But, Dale, I appreciate your call. Uh, make some interesting points. Here's the thing. I am not one of these people who thinks, you know, laws are not deterrents for bad guys. Obviously, some laws are deterrents. That's why we have them. You know, a lot of people don't break the law because they know the consequences of it. That being said, when you're talking about someone who's willing to kill hundreds of people in a mass shooting, something so heinous, so evil, that kind of person is not going to be stopped by the usual deterrence. That kind of person doesn't care about the laws. That kind of person doesn't care about the usual consequences. So I'm not one of these people who says, you know, we should just get rid of all laws because people don't abide by them. But when you're talking about something like this, we have a bunch of laws in place and that didn't stop him because he, it's just so vicious, so evil that it's, it's, it's just not going to. So there has to be other ways to try to prevent this. And usually it has to be about trying to find vigilance of people who see something and say something, who see patterns and motivations. That's usually what goes into this. So in the next segment, I want to get into a little bit of Trump because he is expected to back out of the Iran nuke deal. And in the next half hour, we're going to get more into gun control stuff as well. It is 648 on Good Morning Orlando. And I was reading that from uh, the Washington Free Beacon. The headline was, Trump expected to declare Iran in breach of nuclear deal. And they think Trump uh, is basically really just frustrated with what the Iranians are doing and really doesn't like the deal. I, I mean, we've been talking about that since Trump's campaign. He said it's one of the worst deals in the history of deals is what he usually says. But he really doesn't like the deal. It's obvious Israel doesn't like the deal and Benjamin Netanyahu doesn't like the deal. I don't like the deal. But it says here in the Washington Free Beacon, it says, while some, uh, while some senior Trump administration officials, including Secretary of State Rex Tillerson and Secretary of Defense James Mattis, are pushing for President Trump to preserve the deal, it has become increasingly clear that the president is frustrated with Iran's continued test of ballistic missile technology and rogue operations targeting U.S. forces in the region, according to these sources. Designating Iran as in noncompliance with the deal would loosen restrictions on how the United States can target Tehran and the Iranian Revolutionary Guard, which has been the main entity behind Iran's military operations in Syria and elsewhere in the region. It would also allow the administration to save face in the short term by not technically walking away from the agreement. Now, Senator Ted Cruz was one person who uh, supports Trump in this. There are a lot of Republicans, Politico had a story on this, about a lot of Republicans who even were against the deal initially are coming out and don't want Trump to back out of the deal. 
And a lot of Republicans are kind of being wishy-washy. They asked McCain. McCain's like, well, we'll have to look at it. And they asked some other people, and they're like, well, we'll have to look at it. But Ted Cruz came out strong. He said um, the IAEA's admission that they were unable to verify a fundamental provision under the nuclear deal, that the Iranians are not engaging in activities or using equipment to develop a nuclear explosive device, is highly alarming. In these circumstances, issuing a compliance certification would be a serious mistake. Cruz continued on. He said, if the Iranians are serious about a peaceful program, they need to prove it. Iran's continued refusal to allow access to military sites, which is a requirement of the terms of the deal, renders it ultimately ineffective. And even worse, a sham that only facilitates Iran's acquiring nuclear weapons. Says the absence of any meaning, meaningful verification is yet another reason to, to, you know, get rid of the agreement. So here's my take on the whole Iran nuke deal. My my first thinking is this: We're dealing with all these problems with North Korea right now. Why? You know, North Korea developing nuclear weapons. They apparently have hydrogen bomb right now. They're testing these ballistic missiles that can carry hydrogen bombs. It's created. You all know about it. It's created all these problems. Trump's talking tough against them. Japan's worried about it. South Korea's worried about it. China's worried about it. They impose tough sanctions on North Korea now. But why is this happening? Well, because the United States and other countries have been making deals with North Korea for years now. Similar deals to what we have with Iran. And did they work? No, of course not. They ignored them and continued doing what they were doing. We want to believe that countries like Iran or countries like North Korea have the same motivations that we do in this country. That They don't really want to pursue nuclear weapons. They just want to gain leverage and they just wanted their money back. So now that we lifted the sanctions, they're getting billions of dollars and they're going to use that to rebuild their economy and make it, you know, like a capitalist democracy. Except that's not what's happening. They're using that money to rebuild their military. And they're still attacking U.S. troops. And they're still causing lots of problems in places like Iraq and Syria and elsewhere. And by the way, Iran has been meeting with North Korea to try to develop some of this technology and talk about it. Because they don't have the same motivations we do. North Korea doesn't have the same motivations we do. Iran doesn't have the same motivations we do. We can't impose our motivations and how we think about things on them. Because Iran doesn't think about things the same way. Especially in Iran, because they have a radical religious ideology that has been on the destruction of Israel and been on creating, you know, Islamic rule across the Middle East and basically the world. Then you have the whole belief in the 12th Imam and all this other stuff. Crazy stuff. So we make these deals with them, think they're going to comply with it, and then they don't, and we're shocked. We're surprised. The only language they understand is tough, tough talk, which Trump is actually doing. And I've actually supported Trump when it comes to North Korea. People want me to be upset that Trump's talking tough against North Korea, talking tough against our enemies. I am not. So uh, those are my thoughts on that. Deborah Roberts just came in the studio, so she's going to update us on the latest news at the top of the hour, including the latest on uh, the tropical depression in the Caribbean. 
It is 6.58 on Good Morning Orlando. Good morning, Orlando. This is Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Filling in for Bud, I'm Michael Yaffe. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, a tropical depression is forecast to become a hurricane, and an Orlando politician rolls out a gun measure. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. So Jimmy Kimmel has been pushing gun control on late night TV. I'm going to play those comments And the voice of reason of the day, something I do on my show, I'm going to play comments from who I think was the voice of reason on this, this half hour. And good Thursday morning at 7.02 on News Radio 102.5. The tropics aren't letting Florida off the hook just yet. A system not far from the Yucatan Peninsula is forecast to strengthen and track toward the Florida Panhandle. Long-range forecasts indicate that it could arrive this weekend as Hurricane Nate. It will accelerate as it's moving through the Northwest Caribbean. That's the area east of uh, Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula, and it should move very quickly through the Gulf of Mexico. It could be moving uh, 15 to 20 miles per hour, which is fast for a tropical system as it tracks through the Gulf of Mexico. At Weather meteorologist Dave Samuel, his advice to residents of the Panhandle is to get ready now and not wait till the weekend. For us here in Central Florida, we're dealing with uh, the effects of a tropical wave that is currently tracking over Miami. That's going to bring some rainy, windy conditions, making uh, not for necessarily dangerous hurricane-like conditions, but certainly no fun if your home is already flooded or about to be flooded or if you're on the roads. Plus, I want it to be beautiful and sunny on the weekend. Is it going to get sunny by then? This news brought to you by Tresco Bank. I'll take that as a no. Florida's hometown bank. No, we're expecting quite a bit of rain. Yeah, okay. Sorry. That's well, not your fault. I know, <laughs> but I still feel a little guilty for bringing you the news. <laughs> Sorry. Just a little. Uh, our other big story, Las Vegas police are now lowering the number of people who were injured in Sunday's shooting massacre. Clark County Sheriff Joe Lombardo provided the updated figures during a news briefing yesterday. Injuries. Injury number that we are using today, 489. Um, Of that 489, 317 have been discharged from the hospital. Lombardo also released a revised timeline of events, saying the first shots were fired by the suspect at 10.05 p.m. and the last shots came 10 minutes later, as confirmed by a body-worn camera found on the dead gunman. More than 100 investigators are assigned to the case, in which, which is focused on determining why accused gunman Stephen Paddock carried out his deadly rampage. The sheriff described Paddock as a disturbed and dangerous individual who has spent decades acquiring weapons and living a secret life. Yeah, and I talked about that in the 6 o'clock hour. If that's true, if he was planning this for decades, that takes a lot of, that kind of gets rid of a lot of the theories that some had. You know, some thought maybe he was an anti-Trump guy and targeted, but that would take away that theory if he was planning this for decades. Uh, ISIS is still saying that, you know, he's a soldier of ISIS. Yeah, but they also said that they're the reasons why we had hurricanes Harvey, Irma, and Maria, so. Oh, ISIS creates hurricanes now. Oh, you didn't hear that? No. Oh, yeah, ISIS claimed uh, that they created and sent the uh, the hurricane specifically Harvey to Houston, Irma to Florida, and Maria to Puerto Rico. Wow. So I didn't know hurricanes were terrorist attacks now. It's big <laughs> grain of salt. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, you know, you still have to look into Absolutely. that. Absolutely. But if he was planning this for decades, I would take that theory away as well. So there's still a lot we don't know. It could even be something as bizarre as a brain tumor. You yeah, know, the I've shooting, heard of that. Yeah, the shooting mm-hmm. rampage in the University of Texas back in the sixties. They found the yep. gunman in that case, a former Marine 
um, did indeed have a have a brain tumor. So there's we're we're so much still in the stage of not yep, knowing exactly. An Orlando politician is behind a bill that'll generate debate for its content and timing. Democratic State Senator Linda Stewart filed that bill Sunday, calling for a ban on assault weapons. One of the people who supports that bill is Amanda Alviar, the mother of a Pulse nightclub shooting victim. She says it stuns her how people can put the profits from assault weapon sales ahead of human life. The sale of these kind of weapons haven't ceased after all these attacks. I'm outraged that this is more important that is more important the profit margins than the people whose lives we have lost. Stewart, for her part, admits even in the wake of the Las Vegas shooting, she doesn't expect her bill to pass. She tells Orlando Sentinel she wants to at least get the bill heard in committee, but Stewart filed a similar bill after the Pulse nightclub shooting, and it was never heard. Okay, so this is something I'm going to bring up this half hour because it's, it's something I really don't like, and it's, you know, you can support the gun control, but I don't like this idea that, well, the only reason people support it is because of profits or right. they're in the they're in the bank of the NRA or something. There's a lot of people that don't support gun control that I know that are not, you know, they're not bankrolled by the NRA or they're not just looking at profits or they're just. Or they they... want to be able to have options and choices, exactly. just like anything. When you go to the grocery it's store, just... you don't want to be told what kind of cheese you can yeah. buy. Oh, I mean, it's just why can't we just disagree? You know, disagree on, I know. And that's politics for everybody. It's just something. No, but it's a frustration for everyone. And yet. I mean, that's what that's, I get it. That's where we are. But it's something that I've noticed, especially with this debate, that if you don't support their gun control measures, that means you don't care about the victims. And I don't know anyone who doesn't care about the victims. Um, Not apart from the CBS executive who was fired. Well, yeah, that I mean, that that's definitely the exception to the rule. That That's just a yeah. crazy story. But it's something we're going to talk about this half hour. All right. Well, a Gulf Coast survivor of the Las Vegas shooting remembers a scene he calls maddening. Tarpon Springs's Johnny Stamper was at the concert in Las Vegas over the weekend with his girlfriend when they heard shots fired. They ducked to the ground and saw a woman near them get shot in the chest. They escaped to safety and Stamper tells the Tampa Bay Times he hopes the shooting will lead to better security at both hotels and concerts. And we can almost guarantee that it's going to be the case. You know, it will, but I don't know what better security would have done. I don't either, which is why in uh, the 8 o'clock newscast, we're going to have a Central Florida security expert give advice on what you should do when you're at a large venue, a concert, a theme park, a hotel, and something like this should happen. Because I think rather than trying to prevent it, I mean, we should obviously try to prevent it, but we also need to need to know what to do if it happens. You just have to think about that stuff. Unfortunately, I mean, we do. I think the best way to approach these things is vigilance of the individual. Absolutely. You know, they, they Not only when something like this happens, but beforehand. That's why federal officials are always saying, if you see something, say something. Because the worst attacks, you know, there have been really bad attacks that have been prevented. And a lot of times they're just prevented because somebody saw something and said something. When that instinct, when that gut instinct tells you something isn't yeah. right, you really have to follow it. And finally, something we saw a lot is that helping others in times of crisis actually helps us feel better, too. Dr. Joseph Rock with the Cleveland Clinic says humans are essentially wired to give, with previous research showing that the reward center of the brain lights up when we give to others. Oh, really? Yeah. He says we are more hmm. likely to do something whenever that uh, something that we're doing feels rewarding. Dr. Rock adds that it doesn't have to be a large monetary donation and donating blood always goes a long way. 
Yeah. And I, I saw pictures of just lines of people donating. Yes. Went so blocks. You know, it's just like what uh, Mr. Rogers used to say. Look for the helpers. In yeah. times of crisis, look for the helpers. Good advice. Oh, thanks. <laughs> WFLA News Time at 710. And you can read about new bills in the House and Senate that aim to outlaw bump stocks at 1025WFLA.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando with Mike Yaffe starts now. Weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. So I'm going to play that audio of Jimmy Kimmel and my reaction to it as well. And we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025, WFLA. And this is Yaffe, the producer, filling in for Bud. Bud will be back next week. By the way, I do have my own blog on our website. If you go to 1025WFLA.com, click on the Good Morning Orlando tab. There's a tab that says Beyond Reason. has all my podcasts on there for my show, which plays in the evening. Sometimes we do in the evening, which I do with Tom Benson, of course, who I haven't introduced, actually. Tom yeah, Benson's I, producing for me. I feel slighted. I'm sorry. That's all right. I always remember in the evening show. That's right. You do. Right off so, the bat. Yeah. So, I, man, I feel bad. And, of course, we have Bryce... Uh, screening your calls as well, 407-916-5400. So I want to get straight into this because I want to get your reaction as well. Jimmy Kimmel, last night, two nights ago, he was pushing gun control because he's from Vegas, and he obviously, he was obviously personally affected by this, but then he pushed gun control. And then last night he commented on it again, and he said something that basically attacks people who support the Second Amendment and don't support gun control. This is what he said. I want to send uh, special, special good wishes to those watching from Las Vegas where you know what happened on Sunday night. I'm not going to get deep into it again tonight. I said what I had to say last night. But I do want to say something to these nuts who spent most of the day today on television online attacking those of us who think we need to do something about the fact that 59 innocent people were killed. They say it's inappropriate to be talking about it because it's too soon. Well, maybe it's too soon for you because deep down inside, you know, in your heart, you know you bear some responsibility for the fact that almost anyone can get any weapon they want. Now you want to cover yourself until the storm of outrage passes. You can go back to your dirty business as usual. But it's not too soon for us because we're Americans. And last time I checked, the First Amendment is at least as important as the Second Amendment. So we really talk about it. And shame on you for suggesting we do otherwise. Okay. So... Basically, if you don't support what he believes on gun control, you're part of dirty business and you're you're just trying to cover up because you're responsible for what happened. Partly responsible anyway. Um, No, the only one who is responsible for what happened is the shooter or anyone that actively helped him, which we don't know yet. But it's the shooter. I don't remember Jimmy Kimmel coming out. After this guy, after Steve Scalise was shot and said, well, if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter, you're partly responsible for what that shooter did. In fact, I came out and said, no, they're not either. Bernie Sanders is not responsible either. The only one responsible is the shooter. It's the same situation in here. You know, there are thousands of car accidents every day. If I own a car, if I buy a car, does that mean I'm partly responsible because I'm helping the automobile industry? Or if I buy a beer, does that mean I'm partly responsible for um, drunk driving deaths in this country? No, of course not. People are responsible for their own actions. 
So I thought that was pretty egregious. I understand he really cares about this subject. But to attack people's motivations, just because you're a law-abiding citizen who doesn't support your policies, it's pretty disgusting. And this is a late-night entertainment host who has millions of watchers. And you could say, well, we should just ignore him, but he has influence, unfortunately. But he's bringing this ugly politics into it, which I don't understand. I don't remember it entertainment uh, late night TV being this political until now. But this idea of tacking your motivations like this, I just find disgusting. What do you guys think? 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. Standard message and data rates apply. I'm going to play my voice of reason of the morning on this in the next segment. It's 720 on Good Morning Orlando. All right, so I want to take some calls here. Um, Jimmy Kimmel, and it's not just Kimmel. Kimmel's kind of the the most, uh, the loudest about it right now. Everyone's kind of paying attention to him, but all the late night hosts are doing this. It's all over pop culture. It's all over entertainment TV. It's even on sports TV. And that's why it's important to uh, debate them and talk about this because they have influence. And instead of making us laugh, bringing us together, they're dividing us even more now on late night entertainment TV. This isn't a news show he's doing. It's entertainment television. So let's take a call here. Let's go to Matt and Oviedo. Matt, what's your take on this? Hey, good morning, Happy. Good morning. How's it going? Uh, uh, not too bad. I just wanted to see if uh, Jimmy Kimmel, when he was on the man show, and he had all those beers that he was drinking in front of everybody on TV, does that mean that he promoted drunk driving for every drunk driving death? He's now partly responsible? I guess so, according what to his logic. All, what about all the girls that he had on trampolines? Is he now you know, in bathing suits and in jumpsuits that were bouncing yep. on trampolines? Is he responsible for all the uh, any actions that were against women? Because I, I know, guess he, so. So yeah, according to his good. logic. Yeah, I mean, really, really great point. Actually, that's actually a really excellent point. And the fact that you know Jimmy Kimmel is now our standard bearer for morality in this country. I mean, come on now. Uh, let's go to John in Apopka. John, what's your take on this? By the way, this is John Butler Book. I thank you for dealing with this subject. As you know, we come on your station every Sunday at 7 p.m. I have a school, and when I give the children the opportunity to study, and one of the boys makes a bad grade, I don't tear up the pencil. It's unfortunately the one who misused the pencil because he wasn't prepared for the test to begin with. Right. Now, we were talking about death, and death is horrible, especially if it's done on purpose or premeditatedly. But we have lost over 50 million children who were pulled out of their mother's womb. Late term, they put a hole in the head and sucked the brains out. Yep. And by the same token, we've lost more people on our highways as a result of drunk driving than all of our wars put together. What they should have and should realize that with what the condition of our country today should have never had a venue where they have 30-some floors facing the stage knowing full well that they could not check those people coming into that hotel for whatever armor they wanted to bring in. We should have learned from the Pulse nightclub how much harder it should have been uh, there, but it wasn't. And as a result of that, we have a mass murderer who got away because of lack of precaution, I think, on the part of the American people. It's a different world today. Gotcha, John. I appreciate that, saying that we we can't do venues like that anymore. That's unfortunate, I think. That, well, well, now we can't do outside venues because we're afraid of what someone's going to do. We can't have our freedoms anymore. We can't have fun anymore because that's what people are going to do. I don't know. That's tragic if that's the case. 
So on my show in the evenings, I usually play a voice of reason of the day on a topic we're talking about. And a lot of times lately, it's been Ben Shapiro. He's just been really great, but he's really great on gun control stuff. And he was on Fox and Friends yesterday, and he was commenting on what Jimmy Kimmel said, and I thought he was right on the money. So I wanted to play that cut for you. Here it is, Ben Shapiro. Well, I mean, no one is talking about stopping him from, from talking. I mean, I would, I would never try to ban Jimmy Kimmel from talking on television. He should stop trying to ban me from owning a firearm. And, and again, and nothing that the, that the late night hosts are saying has any sort of relationship to reality. If they want to call for an outright gun ban, if they want to call for all guns in the United States to be removed, then we can at least get an honest assessment of what it is they believe. But when they say things like a little bit of common sense gun control would stop all of this, that's, that's just a chimera. It's not true. They're, they're making things up because this is all about the moral disapproval of people who own guns. And that, that's what drips from a lot of these folks is this idea that if you oppose them on policy, it's because you don't care enough about what happened in Las Vegas. And that really is, that, that's quite disgusting. I mean, the idea that if we disagree on politics, it's because my heart isn't big enough, but your heart is just big enough. So you understand Jimmy Kimmel or Stephen Colbert or Seth Meyers. You understand truly what America needs because you care so much. That's, that's pretty nasty stuff. All right, and I thought he was right on the money on there. So if you have any, we can take more calls on this later, 407-916-5400. Deborah Roberts just came into the studio. She's going to update us on the latest news, including um, the latest with the tropical depression in the Caribbean. It's 730 on Good Morning, Orlando. Mm, the anthem for the news business. Why is this the anthem for the news well, business? Well, Don Henley wrote this about the media. Really? Dirty laundry. Listen to the lyrics. Oh, okay. That actually makes sense. Well, he's just a little bitter. Yeah, ju- just a little. <laughs> All right, this is uh, Michael Yaffe, the producer, filling in for Bud. And we have, of course, Deborah Roberts, who's <laughs> going to Talks even us, when I'm not supposed to. <laughs> going to give us the latest news. And you have a story a little bit later about um, the robots taking over. Yes. Which, of course, they are. A new poll out that shows yeah. just how uncomfortable we are with that. But we're also uncomfortable with more tropical weather coming our way. But the truth is, Florida could be facing... Another hurricane before the weekend is over, the National Hurricane Center says. A tropical depression in the Caribbean will strengthen into Tropical Storm Nate before making landfall in Nicaragua today. It's expected to cross Honduras and possibly Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula on Friday night, then push into the Gulf. The forecast track shows the storm making landfall in the U.S. as a Cat 1 hurricane Sunday night. Anywhere from the Big Bend area on Florida's Gulf Coast, west to southeastern Louisiana. Some of the latest forecast tracks even show it going into New Orleans. For us here, what we're going to be dealing with today is the effects of a tropical wave. Not expected to strengthen or get a name, but it's moving uh, over South Florida, and that's why we're going to see such windy, rainy weather all day today. And I'm guessing people were worried more about flooding. Yeah, definitely. That. I mean, yeah. we the, the rivers and lakes in the area just haven't been able to come down. I've noticed that, yeah, just driving around. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Brevard County, some places in Brevard County on Sunday got 11 inches of rain. Oh, yeah, just what they need. Exactly. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Mike Yaffe, you are a true prognosticator, a prophet of your time. You've <laughs> yes, been warning this that true. this is true. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that uh, robots were going to be taking over a lot of jobs. I've already been telling the robots that I'm on their side. It's not going to help, dude. I just figured they're going to win. So maybe they'll just I'll just be one of their friends and... No? No, you need to go home and rent every single Terminator movie that there is. I've seen them all. Oh, well. <laughs> Did they have any human friends? Uh, good point. <laughs> good point. They just used us to, uh, you know, to uh, manufacture our flesh and everything. So that's good. Yeah, that's exactly. Nice. <laughs> and maybe, you know, this is why a majority of Americans are against robots taking over. 
A new survey by Pew Research shows that over 70% of Americans are concerned about a world where machines perform many of the tasks now done by humans. Over 4,000 U.S. adults were surveyed about automation, including machines replacing human jobs, driverless cars, and computer programs that select job candidates. I will say, I think pop culture, um, you know, like Terminator movies, does have an effect on how we think about that. I do, too. Because in Japan... They don't have the same fear that we do. No, they do not. Everything is, a lot is automated there. But then not just the movies. You also have SpaceX founder and Tesla founder Elon Musk saying that, you know, beyond nuclear war, his biggest fear is AI, artificial intelligence, where we'll end up creating a machine to make our lives easier that will outsmart us in a rapid amount of time and be able to take over. And then what do we do? So it's either going to be like Terminator or the Jetsons. <laughs> so let's hope for the Jetsons. I really would. Yeah. Better fashion. They, everything was automated there, but they were fine. Exactly. They were okay. The, the, the robot made, she was nice. Nope, she was nice. Speaking of a nice robot who would help you out, Amazon is working with Perry Ellis to help men look their best. Perry Ellis found that three quarters of men would like help choosing their outfits, and now they uh-huh. have it. I could use some help with that. Now you have it, guys. Getting ready to go out can use Alexa to ask Perry Ellis what they should wear to 150 pre-programmed occasions. When you, wait, I'm confused. You would take the Alexa with you, or I guess no. While you're app? at home getting ready, you know, and you know you have an event coming up, and you want to oh, know, oh, I see. What would be the appropriate clothes for me to wear to this event? You would ask, you know, Alexa to ask Perry Ellis. The new Alexa skill takes many details into account when providing recommendations, including weather, venue. Users will also be guided to PerryEllis.com. Oh, that's so convenient. Where they can purchase their new wardrobes. I was about to say. Hello. If I can use my the clothes I already own, that'd be nice. Right. No. No, it's going to well, want me well, to buy new ones. Depending, you know, depending. I haven't seen this yet, but I mean, it might give you a recommendation that then you'd be able to translate into what you already have. In your own closet and drawers. One of my two ties. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's and more only than one. I have. And it's only <laughs> only one's a clip on. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I guess I need to get one of these uh, um, Amazon I, Echoes. I don't like them. I robots I just, taking over. Robots taking over. There's too much. There's too many data breaches. We've we've such no, a loss true. of privacy. Um, I just worry too much about them recording conversations in your home. Your you know, just to get lifestyle tips, just to find out what you like, what you don't like, so they can target ads. That's how it starts. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean you with already me, with me, the biggest thing is I can do all that on my phone right now. Right. So it's hard for me to want to, I mean, people that have it really like it, they tell me, but it's hard for me. It's like, it's not that difficult for me to pull out my phone and go on the touchscreen over than talking to Alexa. It's an, I don't see, it's not a big enough benefit for me yet to really want to get one, but maybe it will be in the future. I find that I still don't have a problem flipping the light switch myself when I walk in the house. (laughs) Well, and that's the other thing. I mean, it's not really that difficult to do that. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, to spend all this money so you can say it rather than just do it. I just Plus, the other thing, too, is like all those Internet-connected refrigerators and Alexa, a lot of times hackers will use those as like a third-party... Uh, everything's going to be hackable. It, it already is. I mean, <laughs> it already is. Yeah. I, there's I, just some things I don't want people to see when I'm walking around. I the saw, house. I was watching TV one day and I saw a commercial for a smart refrigerator 
And then right after that, there was a commercial for a smart bed, a smart mattress. And I'm like, man, this is just getting out of hand. I just don't, <laughs> I just don't know what to when do. When all your this. appliances are smarter than you. <laughs> That's what concerns me. They're getting smarter. We're getting dumber. Mm. Yep. All right. Thank you, Deb. Um, well, for that uplifting note. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to play Sound Judgment in the next segment. We have some great prizes for you, including some um, some tickets to a concert and a free hotel stay on us. So we have that coming up next. Sound Judgment, 407-916-5400. It's 741 and Good Morning Orlando. Well, we have a full bank of calls, of course, because it's time for Sound Judgment, where you have a chance to win a great prize if you use your Sound Judgment and tell me who was talking and what they were talking about. Before we get to that, though, we have Bryce, who's going to tell us what you can win. That's right. You can win a pair of tickets to see Leonard Skinner with special guest the Edgar Winter Band at RP Funding Center in Lakeland on Saturday, November 4th. Tickets are on sale now. Visit 1025WFLA.com keyword events for more information. You can also win a Red Roof Inn. Book direct and go direct by typing www.redroofinn.com in your browser for a real Red Roof Inn website. So you could possibly use the Red Roof Inn for the hotel stay so you can go to the concert. Look at that. Look at that. We're just taking care of you all the way around. So, yeah, great prize, your chance to win. So here is the sound judgment question. Because the NFL doesn't have enough controversy already, a famous quarterback in the NFL got in a little exchange this week in a press conference with a female reporter. Her name is Jordan Rodriguez. Listen to what he said when she was she asked him a question. Here it is. A, a lot of pride in seeing your receivers play well. Devin Funches has seemed to really embrace the physicality of his routes and, and making getting those extra yards. Does that give you a little bit of an enjoyment to see him kind of truck sticking people out there? It's funny to hear a female talk about routes. Like It's funny. But uh, fun is coming along, man. So the quarterback, it's funny to hear a female talk about routes. And everyone's like, what? Why? What? (laughs) Why would you say that? So here's the question. Which famous quarterback who's in the league right now said that? Which quarterback in the league right now said that? Let's go to line four. Line four, do you know which quarterback said that? Uh, Cam Newton. You were right. Wow. Look at that. First guy, did you just guess? Uh, he's, he's been pretty confrontational for a while, so it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't I mean, I don't know exactly what he meant, but it's funny too, because that reporter tweeted out later, she goes, she tweeted this out. She says, I don't think it's funny to be a female and talk about routes. I think it's my job, which it kind of is. I don't, <laughs> it's, yeah, I agree with that. it's kind of, it was just kind of a weird response. I don't know. Why he said that. All right. Congratulations, my friend. Good guess. Thank, uh, you, what, thank you. What's your name and where are you calling from today? Uh, Josh from Orlando. Josh from Orlando. All right. Well, you have a great prize. Hope you're excited about that. I will put Very you <laughs> Yeah, I'll put you on hold and uh, Bryce will tell you how you can get the information. Congratulations on that. So I think in the next segment, I'm going to do something a little different. It's something I do on the evening show. You can listen to my evening show. We've been doing it Wednesday nights, uh, Wednesdays and Thursday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. We're not doing it tonight because I have to host the morning show tomorrow. 
You can catch the podcast at beyondreasonradio.com. But I usually end the show with a segment called Things That Made Yaffy Laffy. And I found a story that made me laughy. So we're going to get to that in the next segment. You'll appreciate it. Have a little fun. And uh, we have a lot more to get to in the show. We have the Rush Morning Update as well at 749 on Good Morning Orlando. And this is Yaffy filling in for Bud. Bud will be back on Monday. I also do my show in the evenings. You can catch the podcast on iHeartRadio. Just search Beyond Reason Radio, iHeartRadio, or anywhere else podcasts are available on iTunes or whatever. Um, and something I usually do on my on my show, which, by the way, Tom Benson produces as well, usually, in the evenings. Um, we've been doing it Wednesdays and Thursday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. We won't do it tonight because we both have to be here tomorrow morning. Thank you. Yeah, I did it just for you, Tom Benson, <laughs> believe it or not, because you have to get up early. I need my beauty sleep. <laughs> exactly. A lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. But I do this segment, and it's something that made Yaffy laughy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, something that made me laugh you where I find a story of something that made, well, something that made me laugh. So I saw this and I thought it was pretty funny. Pat Sajak. You know who Pat Sajak is, right, Tom Benson? I do, yeah. He is the host of... Uh, you forget, huh? The sign, yeah. The... <laughs> I don't watch it. <laughs> Wheel of Fortune. Fortune. Yeah. yeah, that's what I wanted you to do, but I totally well, bombed that. That's all right. Um, <laughs> he, he's actually a big time conservative, believe it or not. Yeah, and yeah. he he and I were in Armed Forces Radio at the same time. Back, really? Back in Vietnam. Yeah. He Man, did the, you're like Forrest Gump with all your connections. He did the morning show. <laughs> Interesting. So he tweeted this out because we had talked about Jimmy Kimmel earlier this hour. And about how he, all these celebrities are saying we need gun control and everything else. And how they care more than we do. Pat Sajak tweeted this out. He goes, okay, let me explain this again. We're celebs. We're wiser and more empathetic than you. We are famous. Please take our opinions more seriously. <laughs> it's exactly how they seem to approach it. And it's funny, they have a bunch in the story I'm looking at, they have a bunch of other tweets that he's tweeted out during the years. Like this tweet, he tweeted out a couple months ago. He said, Alexa, turn on CNN. I want to hear the news. Alexa's response is, you'll have to pick one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Smart <good> robot. It's <laughs> <laughs> good stuff there. So I thought I'd share that with you. In the next half hour, I have a story from somebody in the Washington Post. They put out an opinion piece. Says this, I used to think gun control was the answer. My research told me otherwise. Really great stuff in this story, and I want to share it with you and give my thoughts as well. And we'll take your calls. Plus, we have Deborah Roberts, who's going to update the latest news as well. It's 7.59 and Good Morning Orlando. Good Morning Orlando. This is Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Filling in for Bud, I'm Michael Yaffe. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning say hello to newly formed Tropical Storm Nate and how do you remain secure during an active threat situation. We'll have those details coming up in one minute. So I found a very interesting piece in the Washington Post from a statistician who says she used to support gun control but now the research told her otherwise. We'll talk about that this half hour. 
Good Thursday morning. It's 8.03 on News Radio 102.5. Forecasters are tracking newly formed Tropical Storm Nate. The storm with maximum sustained winds right now at 40 miles an hour is forecast to move into the Gulf of Mexico, pick up speed, and strengthen into a hurricane. The advice from AccuWeather meteorologist Dave Samuel is for the panhandle and really all of Florida to start preparing now and not wait for its expected arrival late this weekend. The main message is people need to uh, start uh, getting uh, prepared for uh, hurricane conditions. Uh, uh, act now instead of waiting to see how exactly strong it will be as a Category 1, Category 3. Uh, just prepare for, um, you know, uh, hurricane impact coming in several days. Governor Rick Scott is scheduled to make two stops in northwest Florida this morning to discuss preparations for what could become Hurricane Nate. And now the latest forecast track makes it, uh, shows that the Florida's two furthest western counties will be the ones that would possibly be dealing with this storm. For us here in central Florida, we're under a hazardous weather outlook. The National Weather Service says numerous squalls will move onshore with gusty winds, lightning strikes, and rainfall totals up to three inches. On the coast, advisories are in effect for flooding, high surf, and life-threatening rip currents. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. In other local news, Orlando police are looking for a suspect in an early morning shooting at a downtown Orlando high-rise apartment building. They say a man was shot inside an elevator at the 55 West Apartment Tower on West Church Street at around 2.30 this morning. The victim then managed to get into his own car that was parked in a garage but crashed almost immediately after on West uh, West Pine Street. He's reported to be in stable condition at Orlando Regional Medical Center. It's like something off a... TV show or something. Seriously, that's the last place you expect to hear about crime, 55 West Tower in and of itself, and then in the elevator? Yeah. So we'll... uh, Scary. It is, but as more details become available, we'll let you know. The FBI is weighing in on whether the Las Vegas mass shooting was connected to terrorism. We have found no evidence to this point to indicate terrorism, but this is an ongoing investigation. We're going to continue to look at all avenues... We're not closing down any doors. In a press conference, special agent in charge Aaron Rouse said they're not going to make any assumptions in the investigation into Sunday's massacre that left 58 people plus the shooter dead. He said while there are plenty of theories, the FBI needs to be accurate. Rouse wouldn't comment either on shooter Stephen Paddock's girlfriend, who was questioned by investigators yesterday. He did say that no one is in custody in the case. Meanwhile, a Central Florida security expert is offering do's and don'ts for people who find themselves in an active threat situation. One thing you don't want to do is run with the crowd. Shooters will shoot into crowds of people that are running, that are moving. Um, moving targets catch your eyes, but that's an issue. So mentally, you want to know that. Panic, panic will always be there if there's a lack of education and training. Zach Hughes with Grantham Systems says education and situational awareness will help anyone learn how to conduct themselves smartly and safely if a pleasant situation turns into a dangerous one. He also said, like, if you have to evacuate into a parking lot, the safest place to hide would be near the engine block of a car because he says an engine block is the only thing that will stop a bullet. No other part of the car will stop a bullet. I was surprised to hear that. Well, I mean... Most movies, that's not where they're hiding. No, exactly. And and I hate to think, but it is true. We're creatures of habit. We tend to get what we think is real right. life situations from entertainment. Right. And we forget that that's simply entertainment. Right. He also says that, you know, it's important that you know your exits the moment you walk into an establishment, a restaurant, movie theater, theme park, wherever. Um, and also uh, just 
Situational awareness, like you and I were talking about earlier. I, I think it's important. It really, I, I really is. I think most people need to think about that now. Yeah, I can't walk around with uh, your eyes wide shut. Exactly. And finally, Marvel's The Punisher will not be participating in the New York Comic Con after the shooting attack in Las Vegas. The 13-episode series on Netflix features a lot of gun violence. Marvel and Netflix released a joint statement saying they decided it wouldn't be appropriate for The Punisher to participate in the Comic-Con this weekend because of the show's violence and that their thoughts are now with the victims of the Las Vegas shooting. The panel for Marvel's The Punisher, though, was one of the most highly anticipated at the New York Comic-Con. WFLA News Time, it's 8.08. Read about Dirty Jobs Mike Rowe praising the heroes responding to the Vegas shooting at 102.5. Did you? He's always, you talk about a voice of reason. Such a good guy. Yeah, he is always a voice of reason. Really, really like him. Uh, You can get the uh, story at 102.5wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando with Mike Yaffe starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Hedinger and Deborah Roberts on News Radio 102.5. So after every mass shooting, no doubt gun control comes up. Is gun control the answer? I have a story here from someone who used to think it was... And now it's changed her mind. I want to get into some of the details of what she said, because what she said makes a lot of sense. And we'll take your calls as well. 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. Standard message and data rates apply. It is 809 on Good Morning Orlando. And this is Yaffe, the producer, filling in for Bud. If you want to send me a friend request on Facebook, you can search Michael Yaffe. I will accept it. You can also like my show, Beyond Reason Radio. On Facebook, the Beyond Reason Radio Facebook page is up there. So I found this piece on the Washington Post. Some of you have probably read it. It's been going around, but it really makes a lot of sense, especially from the person who was by. This is the headline. I used to think gun control was the answer. My research told me otherwise. This is from Leah Libresco, who was a statistician and former news writer at 538. She's author of Arriving at a Men as well, but she says this. Before I started researching gun deaths, gun control policy used to frustrate me. I wish the NRA would stop blocking common sense gun control reforms, such as blame banning assault weapons, restricting silencers, shrinking magazine sizes, and all the other measures that can make guns less deadly. She says, then my colleagues and I at 538 spent three months analyzing all 33,000 lives ended by guns each year in the United States. And I wound up frustrated in a whole new way. We looked at what interventions might have saved those people. And the case for policies I'd lobby for crumbled when I examined the evidence. The best ideas left standing were narrowly tailored interventions to protect subtypes of potential victims, not broad attempts to limit the lethality of guns. Now, this goes against the leftist narrative. The leftist narrative right now is to ban certain types of guns. Eventually, they want to ban all guns. No doubt in my mind, because they always point to countries like Britain. Well, that's what they did there. They banned all guns. She continues on here. She says, I researched the strictly tightened gun laws in Britain and Australia and concluded that they didn't prove much about what America's policy should be. Neither nation experienced drops in mass shootings or other gun-related crime that could be attributed to their buybacks and bans. 
Mass shootings were too rare in Australia for their absence after the buyback program to be clear evidence of progress. It is true that after the buybacks, gun violence did go down in Australia. But there were our, gun violence was also very rare before that. It was already going down before that happened. Plus, the sample size is a lot smaller. They had some 3 million guns before the buybacks. They bought back about 700,000 guns. And those are the changes. That's totally different than what we have here. What, some 100 million guns in this country right now. She continues on. She says, in both Australia and Britain, the gun restrictions had an ambiguous effect on other gun-related crimes or deaths. She says, when I looked at other oft-praised policies, I found out that no gun owner walks into the store to buy an assault weapon. It's an invented classification that includes any semi-automatic that has two or more features, such as a bayonet mount, a rocket-propelled grenade launcher mount, a folding stock, or pistol grip. But guns are modular, and any hobbyist can easily add these features at home, just as if they were snapping together Legos. As for silencers, they deserve that name only in movies where they reduce gunfires to a soft sound. In real life, silencers limit hearing damage for shooters, but don't make gunfire dangerously quiet. That was something Hillary Clinton threw out there in a tweet, showed her ignorance on that. She says, magazine limits were a little more promising, but a practice shooter could still change magazines so fast as to make the limits meaningless. As my coworkers and I kept looking at the data, it seemed less and less clear that one broad gun control restriction can make a difference. Two-thirds of gun deaths in the United States every year are suicides. Almost no proposed restriction would make it meaningfully harder for people with guns on hand to use them. I couldn't even answer my most desperate question. If I had a friend who had guns in his home and a history of suicide attempts, was there anything I could do to help? However, the next largest set of gun deaths, one in five, were young men aged 15 to 34 killed in homicides. These men were most likely to die at the hands of other young men, often related to gang loyalties or street violence. And the last notable group of similar deaths was 1,700 women murdered per year usually as a result of domestic violence. Far more people were killed in these ways than in mass shooting incidents, but few of the popularly floated policies were tailored to serve them. By the time we published our project, I didn't believe in many of the interventions I heard politicians tout. I was still anti-gun, at least from the point of view of most gun owners, and I don't want a gun in my home as I think the risk outweighs the benefits. But I can't endorse policies whose only selling point is that gun owners hate them. Policies that often seem as if they were drafted by people who have encountered guns only as a figure in a briefing book or an image in the news. She goes over what she thinks would be some real solutions. And I'm going to get to that in the next segment and we'll take your calls as well. 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. It's 820 on Good Morning Owen. So I was going over this piece in the Washington Post, and it was an opinion piece by a statistician who used to believe in strict gun control until she looked at the evidence and said, uh, not so much anymore. She has some different solutions to prevent gun violence, and I'm going to get to that in a sec, but I want to take your calls as well. 407-916-5400. You can text to 23680. Standard message and data rates apply. Let's go to Jim in Orlando. Jim, how are you this morning? What's your take on this? 
Well, uh, I uh, am not a gun owner. I uh, believe you have the right to uh, bear arms. Mm-hmm. I applaud the NRA for uh, what they've done in the past to help protect that right. And by the way, I don't know um, these kind of guns either that they want to ban. So I don't really have a big personal stake in this as well. But, but go ahead, Jim. No, I don't. No, I don't either. Um, it seems like uh, this always comes up when there's been a mass shooting. Yep. Uh, all those people are trying all along to try to get some sort of gun control going. But <clears throat> I guess I would like to compare it to, and you might not like this, but I'd like to compare it to abortion. There's thousands of abortions done every day. We're all these bleeding heart people about abortion. Yeah. No, I, I, I you think know. you're exactly right, to be honest. I th- yeah, I th- that's I th- all I have to say. Yeah, Jim, appreciate your call. Good, good points. I think you're exactly right on that. They don't care about those deaths. Um, it's all political. Uh, let's take another call here. Let's go to Jill in Orlando. Jill, what's your take? Hello, Yaffe. Um, For a year, they've been trying to find Russian collusion with the election and Trump and everything, and they can't come up with anything. But within two days, they're already saying that this guy had no connection to a terrorist attack or, or terrorist whatever. This was, to me, just looking at it from the pure angle of it, it looks like a, a ISIS terrorist attack, just the way he did it. Get it, take out as many people as possible. So now the FBI is saying, well, there's no no connection. Now they're dialing it back and saying, well, they we're said, looking at... They did say there's oh, no right. evidence as of right now, but they said they're not counting it out completely. They're not counting anything out. Exactly. So the point is, if it were under Obama administration, that would be par for the course. But now because they're under the Trump administration, I think they need to not say things so quick and be a little more thorough because I, I truly think he had some sort of connection. He was very, very private about it, made it, maybe. And the fact that ISIS was coming out and claiming credit for it right from the beginning, why would they do that if they didn't think he was connected? I, it just doesn't make any sense. And uh, this whole thing is baffling. I hate all the political stuff that the celebrities are saying right now. It's just appalling. All right, Joe, I appreciate your call. It very well could be ISIS. There are some problems with it. If he was planning this for decades, then it most likely had nothing to do with ISIS. But, I mean, it could be. We don't know. And uh, that's, like she said, that's frustrating. So I wanted to go over, uh, I was reading this piece from the Washington Post, and she actually had some solutions that, um, you know, might prevent stuff like this. And most of it is, instead of blanket bans on guns, on certain types of guns, This is what she said. She says, instead, I found the most hope in more narrowly tailored interventions, which is what I've been talking about this week, is that we need to look on the people. It's not the tool they're using, but the people, their motivations and how to see certain types of people, their motivations or patterns and prevent them from doing them. She said this, she said, potential suicide victims, women menaced by their abusive partners in Kids sweep up and swept up in street vendettas are all in danger from guns, but they each require different protections. She says older men who make up the largest share of gun suicides need better access to people who care for them and get them help. Women endangered by specific men need to be prioritized by police who can enforce restraining orders prohibiting these men from buying and owning guns. Younger men at risk of violence need to be identified before they take a life or lose theirs to be connected 
They need to be connected to mentors who can help them de-escalate conflicts. She continues on here. She says, even the most data-driven practices, such as New Orleans plan to identify gang members for intervention based on previous arrests and weapon seizures, wind up more personal than the policies floated. The young men at risk can be identified by an algorithm, but they have to be disarmed one by one personally, not in mass as though they were all interchangeable. A a reduction in gun deaths is most likely to come from finding smaller chances for victories and expanding those solutions as much as possible. We save lives by focusing on a range of tactics to protect the different kinds of potential victims and reforming potential killers, not from sweeping gun bans focused on the guns themselves. I think that makes a lot of sense. We're so focused on the tool. We need to focus on the people and their different motivations. And targeting that specifically is the best way to help prevent this stuff. Instead of just attacking what millions of law-abiding citizens use every day in this country. So I thought she made a lot of sense in this story. Deborah Roberts just walked in the studio and she has the latest news for us. And she will get to that in a little bit. It's 830 on Good Morning Orlando. And this is Yaffe filling in for Bud. Bud will be back on Monday. But, of course, we still have Deborah Roberts, who yeah. is dancing in the studio, as usual, when Tom Benson is producing. Well, this is some pretty, you know, some good old school tunes right here. Oh, this is. All right. <laughs> All right, Deborah Roberts, what's the latest news for us? <laughs> well, Tropical Depression 16 is now Tropical, Depre- uh, Tropical Storm Nate. The National Hurricane Center says Nate's top winds have increased to 40 miles an hour as it travels northwest in the Caribbean toward Nicaragua and Honduras. The tropical storm is forecast to move into the Gulf early Saturday and make U.S. landfall Sunday as a Category 1 hurricane. The Hurricane Center's latest track shows it hitting somewhere between the western Florida panhandle and southeastern Louisiana. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. You know, some love stories, I believe, really are written in the stars. Oh. Yeah. Because it turns out you don't. <laughs> Am I bitter? Just <laughs> oh, just want to let you know the, the doors to your bitter barn did kind of come open a little bit there. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. I'm just kidding. Uh, and I just I'm used... actually secretly a romantic, but don't tell anyone. Okay, I won't. <laughs> Yet. A couple born on the same day at the same Massachusetts hospital have exchanged vows more than two decades later. Really? Yes. That's In fact, cool. The birth announcements for Saturday, April 28th, 1990, list just two babies that were born at this hospital in Morton. A girl to Bradford and Maria Gomez and a boy to Ernesto and Adelta Barrios. 27 years later, that same boy and girl were again listed side by side, but this time on a save the date wedding announcement. Aww. I know. They so got it married. Is, it's destiny. Like it was said. destiny. It was They were married September 9th. Jessica's parents even have a picture of her in the nursery in the hospital with a mystery baby in the background. Oh. It could well be Aaron, but his mm. face is too blurry to be sure it's him. So they planned this years ago. Years ago. <laughs> From the beginning. First breath, you know, okay, let's just uh, let's just go ahead and plan to meet up later. They didn't grow up together. They met through mutual friends in high school. Jessica says she and Aaron figured out they were born on the same day pretty early on when they took a driver's education class together and saw the proof on their learner's permits. She says it was love at first sight. Now, are they getting married, too, on their birthday or no? No, they got married on September 9th. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
That'd be weird, but <laughs> I mean, you'll never forget your spouse's birthday now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, Aww. yeah, she Aww. says it was love at first sight. Oh, and from wedded bliss to nag, nag, nag. <laughs> okay. A Northern California man is $1 million richer despite being scolded by his wife for buying too many lottery tickets. Oh, okay. The, yeah, the California lottery says the man was so wary <laughs> of his wife finding out about his lotto ticket purchases that he hid in the bathroom, scratching them off. Oh, I bet she doesn't mind now. The first ticket was a dud, <laughs> but the next $10 ticket turned out to be the big one, $1 million. Wow. The man told his wife, quote, you said I'm never going to win, and there, I won. There's proof. <laughs> of course it turned into a I told you so. It should. The couple said they'll put some of the money toward retirement. I mean, I would hope so. <laughs> exactly. Better that than a divorce attorney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think she's gonna want a divorce now. Just, no, just, just a hunch. I don't you know. think so? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot more endearments coming from her now <laughs> as well. Not so much scolding. <laughs> All right, thanks, Deb. You got it, Mike. So we have Dr. Ken Kronhaus, who's going to talk about the latest news in health and medicine. And we'll get to that next. It's 839 here on Good Morning Orlando. Here on Good Morning Orlando, we care about your health and well-being. After all, without you, who would listen to the show? That's why each Thursday at this time, we welcome our own doctor, Ken Kronhaus. Yes, we talked to Ken Kronhaus, Dr. Ken Kronhaus from Lake Cardiology on the latest news in health medicine and wellness. And well, Dr. K, how are you this morning? Michael, great to be with you. So you have a story that... Um, I actually saw earlier this week as well, but it's really interesting. 40% of all cases of cancer might be related to obesity. Tell us about that. Yes, this is from the CDC this week. While the rate of new cancer cases has decreased, Michael, overall since the 1990s, increases in overweight and obesity-related cancers are slowing this progress. Being overweight or obese, it's associated with an increased risk of 13 types of cancer. The cancers linked to obesity include esophageal cancer, breast cancer, colon cancer, rectal cancer, endometrium, gallbladder, gastric, cardiac, kidney, liver, ovarian, pancreatic, thyroid cancer, and multiple myeloma. These obesity-related cancers, Michael, account for 40% of all cancers diagnosed. Wow, I mean, that's, that's an incredible stat. It shows that if we could kind of tackle some of the obesity in this country, we could also ca tackle some of the cancer. Two-thirds of us are either obese or overweight, BMI 25 or higher, obese. Overweight, uh, BMI of over 30 is obese. So it's something we all need to have on our radar. You know, and speaking of that, one way that a lot of people tackle obesity, including myself, is um, exercise. And you have a story here that just one hour of exercise per week could prevent depression. I know when I work out every day, I feel better. You know what the best drug I prescribe is? What's that? Exercise. Yeah, I agree. American Journal of Psychiatry this week. As little as one hour of exercise each week regardless of intensity, can help to prevent depression. Even relatively small amounts of exercise, Michael, from one hour per week can deliver significant protection against depression. If you haven't been in an exercise program for a while, just talk to the doctor before you start one. Now, this, uh, the next story I want to get to is something I'm kind of guilty of myself a lot of times. But could skipping breakfast feed heart disease? 
Exactly. Uh, this is out of the Journal of the American Car College of Cardiology this week. Middle-aged adults who routinely skip breakfast are more likely to have clogged heart arteries than those who enjoy a big morning meal. People who eat breakfast, especially a hearty one, are less likely to harbor plaques in their arteries, Michael. Skipping breakfast may have a negative effects on appetite-regulating hormones, blood sugar, and insulin. That's the hormone that regulates blood sugar. And prior studies have shown that breakfast fans are less likely to be obese or have diabetes. And why do you think, why is that? Do you, do you have any idea why that would be? Well, it's that effect on those appetite-regulating hormones on, and on insulin. This is a big, the big effect. Interesting. And to prevent heart disease, a lot of people take statins, you know, it lowers cholesterol and prevents heart disease. But it also might prevent something else. Uh, what is that, Dr. K? Um, exactly. This is a really interesting story about how taking statins how have an extra effect that we didn't predict. It's exciting in medicine when you know that a treatment has a benefit in a specific spot, but sometimes they have unexpected benefits. And this comes out of the Mayo Clinic proceedings this week. Staphylococcus aureus, it's a bacteria, Michael, that is simultaneously part of our normal flora, but that can also cause disease. In fact, Staphylococcus aureus, which is also also just known as staph, is the leading cause of infection of the bloodstream and bacterial infections of the heart. Once staph reaches the bloodstream, the infections can be fatal. And this new research suggests that taking statins, medications commonly used to prevent heart disease, may prevent the risk of a staph infection of the bloodstream by almost a third. Interesting stuff. And we were just talking about uh, weight loss a few seconds ago, and you actually have something here that could help boost weight loss. Tell us about that. Well, most of us like green tea, but there's good news also now about black tea. European Journal of Nutrition, black tea may be just as effective as green tea for losing the pounds. It just works in a different way. Green tea works directly on the liver to help with weight loss. However, green tea helps to alter gut bacteria that helps to promote weight loss. Just enjoy your black tea with all those good antioxidants. Uh, I don't really drink a lot of tea, but I keep hearing how healthy it is. Well, we have to get you on the right I, road. <laughs> you're exactly right. I need to quit all that soda I drink. Oh, That's my not... gosh. You're such a millennial. <laughs> is that a millennial thing, drinking soda? I thought soda, I thought millennials were into tea now. They are. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I need, I need to switch, though. All right, Dr. K, I appreciate you coming on with us. And, of course, we'll talk to you again next week. Be well, Michael. That is Dr. Ken Kronhaus from Lake cardiology bud's heart doctor so some good information there from him so i have some calls here that i'm going to take and we'll talk about the latest details about the vegas massacre shooter we'll update that in orlando's news weather and traffic in just two minutes news radio 1025 wfla more than 100 investigators have spent the last 72 hours combing through the life of 64 year old stephen paddock to produce a profile of someone I will call disturbed and dangerous. What we know is Stephen Paddock is a man who spent decades acquiring weapons and ammo and living a secret life, much of which would never be fully understood. He meticulously planned on the worst domestic attack in United States history. And um, so according to him, there's a possibility he was planning this for decades. We still don't really know their motivation. 
The left has been focusing more on the tool he used, the gun, trying to call for gun control rather than the people who do this. Believe it or not, there are mass killings that don't involve guns, but most mass killings, in fact, all mass killings involve people, unless it's like a natural disaster or something. So um, I have some calls here talking both about gun control and maybe what the killer's motivation was. You can call 407-916-5400. You can text to 23680. Standard message and data rates apply. Let's go to Wendell in Orlando. Wendell, what's your take on this? Hey, when Bud's gone, Yaffe's number one. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right, man. Hey, uh, you know, our government thinks that we're, we're stupid. We're little sheep that we're going to follow whatever they say. Let's look at this... Uh, murderers history mm-hmm. uh back in the day we used to call it going postal uh, right and yeah and then, this guy worked for the post office they found out i just found that out oh absolutely he's a g-man um then he got right. in with the likes of lois lerner and the irs and, i don't know if he worked for lois lerner at the time but yeah he did no. work for the irs for a little bit yes for like three years something like that but the mentality, um, he didn't have to be told what to do. This man was a, a hippie from the 70s. He knew what he had to do. He had to do his part to, uh, you know, take down what he wanted to take down. He's planned this for a long time. You know, that's what we're starting to hear now. This is not some spur-of-the-moment crazy person all of a sudden got off his meds and, uh, you know, it's going to go ballistic. This guy had this plan for a long time, financially secure, uh, gun secure, everything. He picked the right, he targeted, he didn't pick, he targeted the right people to get his point across, and not just his point across, but the liberal point across that guns are bad, guns are no good, guns should be outlawed. Oh, you and- think he actually wanted to push gun control, and that's why he did this? Oh, absolutely. Very interesting, Wendell. I don't know if I'd buy that. I'm not really sure. That's a lot of speculation there. Um, It is possible that he acted alone, or it is possible that... uh, A lot of things are possible, to be honest. We really don't know. There's a lot of speculation, and frankly, there's a lot of fake news out there about it. I've seen a lot of people that I know post some stuff on social media that is obviously fake. Is obviously conspiracy theory stuff and needs to be verified before you share that stuff out there. But we'll find out more information as time goes on. And of course, we'll tell you about it right here on News Radio 1025 WFLA, an iHeartRadio station. So this is Yaffe. Send me a friend request on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at Beyond Reason R. You can catch my podcast at BeyondReasonRadio.com. I want to thank Tom Benson for producing. And Bryce, for screening your calls, I will be back tomorrow morning uh, hosting for Bud. Bud will be back on Monday. And Deborah Roberts will once again be back giving you the latest news. We'll have plenty to talk about. And I'll end the show just like Bud does. God bless you and God bless America. Catch you next time.